but really, Brian, like, if you want me to sing a song, I'll sing a song. Well, I mean, now that you're making a big deal out of it, I, I think we kind of have to. No. What did you just say? <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 189. I am one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I am joined tonight by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Greetings. Greetings and salutations. Wow, so we have a action-packed, fun-filled, exciting episode tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing the Unstable FAQ. Are, are, are uh, we? Yes. So oh, yeah, we're we, gonna we go didn't over... make an episode on that. You're right. Oh, we didn't. Right. We had a game show, which, if I recall correctly, I won. Uh, I'll I let you think that, that Brian. I'll let if you I recall that. correctly. You don't. I'm not saying that I'm right. I was told that I won. Jess so... is very bitter. <laughs> Jess is so bitter. So I went back through and then listened to it. Those points don't add up. You really... Like, Jess... apparently went through while editing... And like counted the points, and again, my 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 math just didn't work. Yep. For for those of you listening at home, after the episode was over, Jess sent us a picture of the sheet of paper where he was keeping track of his points separate from Brogan, and was like, "Look at this. This doesn't add up." There were question marks all over it, and stuff was scratched out, and there were there was... oh, there were like <laughs> a bunch of letters all over it, and like it was good. Well, there were also notes about like the questions and stuff. Like I tried to write down the the, the FAQ acronym, and everything. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was. You were you were very studious in and... in the the unstable game show. So if you like. If, if you're interested in, in going back and listening to a fun, silly uh, game show type episode, uh, go back and listen to episode 188, the unstable uh, FAQ, and I'm doing a little air quotes around that. But tonight, we have a different fun-filled and action-packed episode um, where we are going to be discussing things a new L1 should know. So these are things that uh, L1s, uh, people who want to be L1s should probably know about before they take the L1 test, maybe like right after they take the L1 test, and then questions that they'll have immediately after. Uh, we're not going to be talking about things you should know, like you should know how triggers work, and you should know how, you know, the priority works. What's the replacement effect? Right. Um, those those are things that, yes, when you think, I want to be an L1, I need to study the rules. Okay, I want to I wanna be an L1, I need to study the jar, uh, if you know that it exists, but we're we're mostly this is going to be stuff outside that that you as a, as an aspiring L one or a brand new L one you still have that you know that that new L one smell. Um, Can you get that in an air freshener? Um, yes, uh, but, but you, you got to go into like the deep web, <laughs> right? <laughs> That new L1 smell is a, this is the new L1 smell candle. This is the new L1 smell air freshener. We don't have a body soap yet. We've been trying to make that work. It isn't happening. <laughs> now, if you got if you got a little like one of those soaps that has a shape to it, what would the L1 scented soap be shaped like? Why does it need to be a shaped soap? Why can't it well, be an I amorphous mean, blob? Well, I was thinking because you want to put it in a basket on the back of your toilet. Uh, it's a little. It's it's shaped like a magic card. It's shaped like a magic card. Yeah, it's got it's got judges familiar on it. 
Awesome. Or rules lawyer. Or that. Okay, so things things that an L one should know. What's what's one of before you even become a L before you take the test? What's we want to talk about some of the things that you should know that aren't aren't the rules? Okay, so some things that what are what are some things that we should know? Whatever is squeaking back there, we should know about. You get some inside baseball. I bet that's your dog. Uh, that's that is that is my dog. And I got hold on. I got to go take the squeaky toy away. <laughs> So are we going to keep recording the show while Brian's gone? We could. We could. That's um, what were we just talking about. Uh, we're talking about uh, what are things we need to know right before you take your te- before you test. Ah. Uh, so. So before you test, you absolutely know. You need to know all those rules, Brian. said. we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, replacement effects and layers. Uh, okay. Well, actually, right. I think we've done episodes on all of this. So, uh, in, in actuality, the first thing you need to know is that you're going to be doing something as a judge. You need to have a place you're going to be judging at. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I have a lot of people come to me and say, I would like to be a judge. And I'm like, okay, why do you want to be a judge? And I'm like, I really want to tell people, like, should, should, should learn more about the rules. I was like, okay. Um, what about being a judge? Uh, why can't you learn the rules? Not in the context of of being a judge, right? Exactly. I think a lot of people don't realize that that, that uh, you can learn the rules without being a judge. They think that you're just like I don't know if they think it's this magical gate you have to go through where you can now say I know the rules. It may be about legitimizing their knowledge. Right. I think like, it's if, I think it's a way yeah. to tell your friends. You oh, know, I'm a judge, so yeah. I know what I'm talking yeah. about. I promise you, they don't all know what they're talking about. Sometimes you make mistakes as a judge. I make mistakes as a judge. You don't always know everything. And that legitimacy that, that people are seeking there, it comes from actually being a rules expert. It doesn't come from the fact that you have the title of being a judge. Yeah, it has, it has nothing to do with the level one or level two or whatever in front of your name. It's how much you actually know. So really, you need a, you need a home as a judge. I was going to say one of the, one of the worst things is you are now a level one and you go you you then start going to stores and saying I'm a level one you know I'd like to judge and they say we already have a judge or we're not yeah, interested. That's just a bad feeling. It, it is because then you've got this level one. You're like what what do I do with it? What am I going to do with it? Why even have it? Why? And one of the unfortunate aspects is a lot of like the L twos and the L threes we we don't have any power or authority to make a TO let you judge. Right. It would be like jumping into into a role with like a, a WoW or an MMO and realizing there were no quests or anything to do in the game. Like, that would suck. Right. There's You, you have all this, this new stuff, this new thing in front of your name, this right. new feeling of validation, and then you walk in. Like, it's, oh, it's too real, but it's like getting out of college with a shiny new degree and not being able to find a job. Uh, are you millennial? As a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, right, and and that's so, one of the reasons there there is a requirement that says within the last six months you have to have judged at two events, right. and this is to you know help ensure not only that you want to actually judge, but that you have a place to judge. But you want to you really want to make sure that that gets locked down. Like it's it's also important to point out you don't need to judge all the time. That judging two events in the last six months thing, 
that's fine for an L1. If you only judge pre-releases or some other event uh, every once in a while, if you maybe help out at a PPTQ every now and then, which is, by the way, not required to be an L1, then you get to the point where you're not doing events every so often, maybe only once every few months, but you are doing it consistently. And, and having a place to judge is important. Right. right. It, it also means that you've worked out something with the TO. Like, you've, you've, you've actually approached them and you've interacted favorably with them. Right, you've established the relationship. And right. and if you do want to be a judge and you talk to an L2 and you're like, I want to, I don't have a store to work at. And if that L2 does have like a store in mind and the bandwidth to help you out with that, that is certainly a thing. But I don't think it's necessarily the expectation to go to a judge to certify you and have and expect them to to establish your whole relationship with a tournament organizer. Right. Um, so after that, what else do we need to know before, uh, before we get to during the test? Like what, what else do they need to know before they get to the test? While, while I was getting the squeaky toy from my dog, who, who, by the way, is glaring at me, uh, ever since I took the squeaky toy. Um, you guys talk about the code of conduct? We did not. We have not yet. Okay. Uh, so there is, uh, one of the requirements when becoming L1 is that you agree to be bound by the judge code of conduct. That's, that's kind of one of these things where it's like, you should probably read that before, uh, uh, before you agree to become a judge. And what the code of conduct is, is basically just, you know, judges are seen as respected members in their community. Um, and these are things that, you know, it's a list of behaviors that we want to see from judges and then it's a list of behaviors that we don't want to see from judges um it also clarifies that when you join the judge program it's what's called at will which means you elect to be part of the program and the program elects for you to be part of it so it's and 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 either party can decide to and this is where you start getting into the jcc and stuff like that but either party can decide to part ways with the other party (laughs) right you can't if at any, if at any point anyone is the, the relationship is not great, it can be over. Now let's just put a point blank: they can fire you. Yeah, yeah. And they they have demonstrated that they will um, at the behest of Wizards of the Coast, or if you violate the code of conduct. So um, you know, one of the things that you have to realize as a judge is that if you look at the code of conduct and you don't agree with it all. Uh, you don't have to agree with it all, but if you violate it, you can be punished uh, up to and including suspension from being a judge. So when you become a judge, no matter how invested you become in it, and this is coming from somebody who is more invested than almost anybody I know in the judge program, you have to realize that there is that, that they can just take that away from you if you do the wrong thing. Yep. I don't know what more we can we can really say yeah, about that. It's, and it's, hey, it's, it's important. It's not... To, there is a committee that reviews cases and uh, the, the, you know, the 99.9% of the time, you know, the, the stuff that's going to, that's going to come to the JCC, uh, that's going to be serious and violations of the code of conduct are going to be things like cheating or theft or uh, uh, severe diplomatic failures where you explode inappropriately on the floor of a GP or something like that. Right, like um, the the vast majority of people are both not going to get reported and 
also not going to have any action taken against And, and a lot of those reports are investigated and no action has had. And like you said, some of them are just like a warning letter. Hey, don't do this again. You, you, it's not easy to get suspended as a judge, but you have to know what you can't do. So read the code of conduct. Also, speaking of what you can't do, you also need to know what you can do as a judge. So you've got to read the rules and the the jar, judging at regular RAL, and making sure that you know those things and uh, and where to find those. Yes. So that that is a that is a common thing when uh, a lot of the the judging at regular questions you, on the test you might be able to uh, to intuitively figure out if you. If, if you just think about kind of like what's what's fair, what's not fair, but there's a lot of things in the in the judging at regular doc that you might not know about. You know, when you start talking about things like bribery, uh, uh, well, specifically bribery, you might not know that that, and you might be a competitive player and you might try to bring some of that competitive IPG knowledge penalty stuff into into your into the FNMs. You don't want to do that, so. Yeah. Familiarize yourself with the jar. It's a two-page document. You can read it while you're waiting for the bus. And as as an L1, you you that's that is the the policy document that you need to know. You don't need to know the IPG for you, unless you are actively running competitive REL, which is unlikely. You you at regular REL, you don't need to know the IPG. You do need to be familiar with the Magic tournament rules, uh, which include things like time limits and. And basic structure of tournaments and how players communicate. But as far as dealing with things going wrong at a tournament, we do that with the judging regular REL document. Uh, it has, doesn't have the harsher penalties that the IPG has. Uh, if you are running an event with significantly larger prizes or that requires deck lists for some reason, you may want to consider running it at competitive REL or suggesting to the organizer that they do. And then you do need the IPG. But it's not a requirement to become a level one judge to know these things. Right. All right. I think I think we we we're L one now, right? We're, yeah, I took the test. We're we're, we're taking a I test. Got the interview. I'm not a jerk, so they they. Well, I mean, I might be a jerk, but they didn't think I was a jerk, so they, they <laughs> you got hit, the interview. You hit it for um, the interview. And uh, now now we're L ones. We did it, Brogan. We're L ones. Good job, team. Yeah, um, Brian still needs to pass his test. I do. I believe in you, Brian. Uh, so in order in order to uh, advance to level one, um, the L two that administered the test needs to write an advancement review for you based on the interview and based on any observation. And in order for that to happen, uh, you're going to need an account in Judge Apps, which is the the application that we use for it's it's basically our email forums system. Used, it's what we use to communicate with ourselves. Yeah, basically all judge communication in a, an official capacity as mm-hmm. far as applying for events and reviews and such lives in Judge Apps. And you can find a link to that on the show notes for this episode, but it's going to be located at apps.magicjudges.org. Not www.apps. I can't speak. That apps, but apps.magicjudges.org. And this is, uh, like Brogan said, this is for large event applications, for projects, for reviews, uh, tests, uh, practice tests are going to be on there as well. Um, You know, exemplar nominations that you might receive. It is, and all of the forums, this is how we communicate. Now, when you apply, uh, we kind of use a 
the, the, the way your account gets approved is someone goes in and verifies that you're an actual human being and not a, a bot. So there is a manual process, so it might take a few days for your account to get approved. Are there a lot of bots applying to judge apps? I don't know. We can ask Paul. That's fair. Right. I mean, I, I know that, you know, every few days someone goes in and just kind of does a, does a, a mass sweep, a mass review, and, and approves them. But I think L2s and higher have the ability to prove uh, accounts. So the L2 that tested you should be able to go in and approve your account in Judge Apps. I've never approved an account in Judge Apps, I gotta I, say. I'm not sure L2s have the ability to do that. Nope. I'm pretty sure that is restricted to level 3s, and most level 3s don't because it's handled by a small group of them. So please don't start approving people that you are not directly involved with because there is a group that handles that. Um, yeah. And Dan Collins will have our hides if we start doing that. If we start approving all the bots. You, yeah. Well, Bergen, can you just check and see if you have a, uh, on your judge apps, if you have a menu item called review pending accounts towards the bottom? Uh, I can, but it's going to take me a minute. So okay. Well, we can talk about basic worst stuff in the meantime. So yes. You're going to be, you're a judge. And... If you are a judge at a store where the TO lets you behind the counter to use the computer, uh, you're probably going to be responsible for entering results and stuff like that. That is one of the things that judges do at FNM, again, if the TO allows. So right. Sometimes the TO has their own scorekeeper. They take care of it themselves. Yeah, or or maybe they have like a, a rule regarding only employees behind the behind the mm-hmm. counter. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'd like to point out that often it's not necessarily behind the counter. Often it's just a laptop that's being handled by the judge. But somebody at a computer is doing what's called the scorekeeping, which is where you enter all the results. Um, now there are a couple ways to do that. You can print out match slips from Wizards Event Reporter. Uh, but many stores for small events, they just use a system where players just come up and say, hey, it's Jess, I won. And that's good enough because you know all the players. Right. Uh, I recommend against it. I like using match slips because it gets everybody in the habit of using them. It gets the players into the habit of using them. It gets the judges into the habit of using them. And it's just all around better when your event suddenly becomes larger than you expected. Right. It's It's really easy when you have, you know, the same... 12 people there right. all the time, but the minute you have a larger event and you don't know how to do match slips, you're going to be sad because you're, you are you don't know who the players are. And... and it's the same thing with pairings and table numbers. So with pairings, I've been in stores where they go, okay, uh, this round, uh, Joe and Jill are playing magic. Or they'll put up a list of pairings, but they don't have table numbers. So if you're new, you just have to try and find the person you're playing with. That doesn't work very well if you've never been there before. Shout out names. So, yeah, so, so table numbers are a great thing to have. Uh, and pairings printed are a great thing to have. Um, and match slips are a great thing to have. Uh, there's one more thing that's a great thing to have that's not directly connected to Wizards Event Reporter. And that is a clock. If you have yeah. a time timekeeping device of some kind, having it displayed so players can see it, uh, not only is it convenient for the players, but they'll play faster if they can see that their time is running out. So it's it's better for the whole event. Yeah, uh, you, you can do the old put a piece of paper on a wall with the time, rent, the round end time written on it. But that is much less elegant and you'll still have players squinting at it and then looking over at you asking how long is left right. in the round. And let's let's be honest. The main reason to have a clock is to avoid the question, how much time is left in the round 80 oh, yeah. times. 
That's oh, the yeah. real I kind of want to make a sassy clock and sell it now. Like when there's like 15 minutes left, it's like you've got 15 minutes left, guys. You better hurry up. It's like it sounds like the crazy taxi announcer. I'm just imagining the announcer from the You Don't Know Jack games. Yeah, like that guy. All right, that's good. Uh, by the way, I do have an answer to. Uh, I can <laughs> review pending accounts. Um, Again, please don't. Uh, for well, you, for for the people that you know, if you are testing a level one, then sure, well, go in to, there and you have to input some I, I uniquely identifying information about the person, and then it will tell you if anyone that if anyone that has a pending account matches that. So if I certified somebody, if I, if I tested somebody and they need to make their account, I have to like put in their DCI number, and then oh, okay. it'll tell me if. If Josephine right. Schmidt actually ma- made a Judge Apps account, yeah, but DCI only if you know Schmidt. In this case, you don't know Schmidt, so um. wow, <laughs> I set myself up for that. Um, wow, that's good. <laughs> so, um, if if an L three goes and looks, it's a slightly different screen. Uh, we actually do see all of the accounts that are waiting to be, to be uh, approved. And, and this is relevant. I bring it up just because if you are waiting for your account to be approved and it's just not happening and not happening and not happening, you should talk to either your regional coordinator or if you know an L3 judge, you've worked with an L3 judge, you can contact them as well and uh, and get that process moving because it's something that should happen. You should get an account before you could really do much Definitely. in the judge program. It's, it sounds like you could also contact a level two and just give them your DCI number. Yep. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Yeah. Got so that's, that's the whole thing. So basically, if you applied, uh, you can contact any level two or higher judge, give them your DCI number, and bada bing, bada boom, you got a Judge Epps account. Uh, sweet. All any, right. Anything else we need to know? We're, we're level one. We're starting events. Speaking uh, of starting events, I should probably know how to start my event. Yeah. Uh, you make vroom vroom sounds and hit go and on say, the clock. Let's go. Yeah, right. you, you, you you seat everybody. You print those pairings we talked about. Once they're seated, you just go, round one, fight! Don't tell them anything about how long your rounds are. Don't tell them anything yep. about what, nope. what how many rounds they're playing. None of that. Don't tell them. Nope. Do, do nope, your best ring announcer voice uh, for, the, for the head judge announcements. Obviously something like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you know, your local game store proudly brings to you Friday Night Magic! You paid for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I could have said that with a little bit more enthusiasm. The, yes, you could. Please, please use the whole seat because then it's kind of hard to get up and down the aisles. <laughs> I can just yeah. imagine this judge is going, "Excuse me, sir, you're only using the edge. I need you to use the whole seat, please." <laughs> I need you to use the whole seat. You paid for the whole seat. I need you to use it, <laughs> friend. Just, just use the whole seat. But yeah. I, to, when you start your event for for realsies, uh, so you're not walking in and saying like you you get all your players sitting down and and now what? Uh, let them know who you are, uh, any relevant information about the the space they're in. Like I don't know, here's where you can find the bathroom, or here's where you can report your results, or here's where a clock is. Uh, what format, if necessary? Uh, any interest, like if it's a if it's a pre-release, let people know anything weird that might be related to their packs or anything they're opening. Um, but don't be don't be too wordy because people start 
tuning out real quick. Oh yeah, right. quick tip about uh, these announcements. If you have a pre-release or it's a pre uh, sorry, if you have a pre-release or it's a sealed event of any kind, if you're making these announcements while while players are opening packs, nobody is listening to you. Absolutely. Try to get these announcements done before you pass anything right. out because once they have things in their hands, they're not paying attention anymore. I tell you this from experience. They will stop paying attention as soon as you give them packs. Yep. Yeah. And and for for pre-release announcements, yes, there might be like a bazillion things that are new for the set. Pick two. That seems I, right. I think that's probably a good number. Like if you start trying to go over every new mechanic and maybe like, oh, you might open this rare, and if you do, that means these. Are... No, no. Just they want to they want to play. They don't want to listen to you talk about you know a, a specific flip cards rare. or right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so your your head judge announcements maybe like how many players you got, how many rounds, whether or not there's going to be a top eight or not, you know, or if it's just going to be you know uh, prizes based on on standings at the end of Swiss. Those are those are the kind of important things, and you should be able to knock it out if you're if you're making. She got another squeaky toy. Um, if you're if you're if you're taking two to three minutes, you're probably taking too long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, if you're if you're taking that long, you're definitely taking too long. You should really, announcements really shouldn't take more than about thirty seconds to a minute. Um, any longer than that, and all you're doing is keeping players from playing Magic, which is what they came to do. Yep. Uh, all right. So I'm a level one. I am successfully running events at my local game store, uh, but I don't know really anything about connecting with other judges or. The judge community as a whole. Help me, please. So first, get an account on LinkedIn. No, I'm kidding. Well, please do don't I do have it. to? Uh, <laughs> Google Groups. Oh. Really? Yeah. Too many things still happen in Google Groups. <laughs> All right. So, so probably as as a as a new judge, uh, there are two judges uh, that are probably the most important for you to know. Uh, the first one is the L two plus judge that tested you. Uh, they're they're an important resource in helping you find find things out, or they're kind of like your your lifeline. But the next is either the regional coordinator or area captain, if your region has area captains. Um, the regional coordinator is a position that is responsible. There's 22 regions across the globe. The regional coordinator is responsible for the care and feeding of that geographic area. Oh, gosh, what? Yeah, if you think about it as a terrarium. Right. They're just you, the head turtle. <laughs> well, I mean, you wanted the RC is the regional coordinator is responsible for making sure that the region gets enough sunlight and, you know, prunes any weeds. Properly watered. You know, it's like, you know, oh, I got too many snails, so we now have to get something <laughs> really, to take care of the snails. Really? really, the regional coordinator's main job is to be a hub of information. If you need something... Uh, you can talk to your regional coordinator and, and get the answer. That most of the time, it's not going to be, "Well, I'm this is the answer." It's going to be, "Let me direct you to the person who can help you with this." And, and that's that's what an RC does most of the time. Right. They're not necessarily going to be the one to solve your problem for you or give you all the possible personal mentoring that you might need. That, but they're going to make sure you end up with someone who can help you, even if they can't. And that's why so often. We tell people, talk to your regional coordinator about a problem you might be having. Because even if they can't help you, he or she can direct you to the right place. Yeah. And sometimes regions get regions get kind of large, multi-state regions. And so the RC might have 
uh, what's called area captains, which are judges who are responsible for a smaller area, or they they subdivide the region down into smaller smaller chunks that are that are more manageable by an individual. And that person, in a lot of ways, uh, fulfills the same role as a regional coordinator. They have a they have a smaller scope and almost certainly fewer resources to work with, but they are also a, a sort of hub of information. Right, and how that works exactly is going to depend on the region that you're in. In some regions, area area captains have more responsibilities than others, and in some regions, uh, they are mostly just people that you can talk to about events in other regions there are people that you talk to before you talk to the rc so that's really just going to come down to what goes on in your region and how is that structured uh so we can't go too much in deep uh, in depth about what an area captain does because it's different everywhere yeah and some regions don't even have them and how how do you know who your regional coordinator is or what region you're in uh judge apps will tell you judge apps or- will tell you if you put your address in, when you fill out your profile, if you tell Judge Epps where you are, Judge Epps will tell you who your regional coordinator is and what region you're in. And ideally, whoever tested you, again, as your first, the first sort of connection to the judge program, that's hopefully something that they uh, will have told you as well. Uh, something that I've done as a one testing coordinator for the Mid-Atlantic and something that I actually picked up from something Joe Hudo set up in the Northeast um, a, wa- a long, long time ago was they called it Welcome Wagon. I don't really have a name for this, but it's basically just a, uh, if I if I know that you've certified a new judge, I can send them a nice little email with, hey, welcome to the judge program. Uh, here's some info. Here's who your regional coordinator is. Here's um, who your area captain is. Uh, I, if you want, I can add you to our regional Facebook and our regional Slack channel, um, which, again, your individual region may or may not have, but just sort of a here's some, here's some connections that you can make right now. Yeah, so um, those, are the, those are the kind of main connection point for the community in addition to the judges that are around you who might have worked with uh, and in addition to that, there are going to be things that are announced to the judge program at large, and most of those happen on Judge Apps in the official announcements forum. So if you're not automatically subscribed to that when you sign up for your Judge Apps account, uh, you should make sure that you are. So just go and double check that your notifications are on for that particular thread. And uh, while you're there, you can set up your notifications for whatever you'd like to be notified about. If you want to be notified about large events in your area, you can set that up. If you'd like to be notified about other things, there's a whole list of stuff in the notification options for what you can be notified by and how, whether it's email or on-site or whatever. Um, And as Brogan mentioned, uh, check out your region's Slack groups or Facebook groups or whatever it is that they have. I highly encourage you to get plugged in to... Uh, judges in your area and networking is super important and you can also network very well at judge conferences which are usually events you can apply for on judge apps and those conferences are super helpful for learning things and just just getting so much value out of judge program and one of the most fun things you can do we just had one in the southreach region and it was great Um, and uh, you can also get involved in uh, projects uh, but not so much as an L1. There are still projects that need people as L1s, but the majority of projects are staffed by L2s, L2 and 3 judges. So if that's something you're interested in, maybe you should be looking at level 2. 
You can also, uh, if you know multiple languages, there's a lot of things that need to get like oh, translated. So many translation from, projects from different languages into other more different languages. That, so that is one of this. This program generates so much information, and we have so many judges around the world. It is very difficult to keep up with the amount of of stuff that we generate. Uh, so yeah, but, definitely, if you're capable of translating, then that is that is something that you can help out doing, uh, and it's a big help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought I was trying to think of projecty things that you can get involved with, even if you're as an L one who doesn't necessarily have quite the the context and scope of the program. Um, that's something you can absolutely help with. It's it's kind of weird at the beginning when when you start out as a, as a level one, you're predominantly consuming information. Yep. Um. So a lot of projects are generate information so at that particular point you're you're the consumer of the information but you will make a transition at some point in your career from a from a uh, from a consumer of information to to a producer of information and at that particular point in time yes go out and what find your interest find a project that that matches an interest and if you can't find one you can create one, you know, go out and highly motivated individuals, find a bunch of people, get them together and say, we're going to do this. Most projects in the judge community started out by a judge identified a need. They weren't assigned it by a level three or anything like that. They just said, I need, this is a good idea. I'm going to do it. Let me collect some people, some like-minded individuals and go do it. Yep. Um, other things that live on, Judge apps. Uh, again, that's where you apply for events. There's a little events tab. Usually at the top, there's a button that says apply. Make sure you read the application 100% of the way through to know both what expectations are and if there's any additional materials or forms that need to get filled out. Um, there's uh, That's also where you can view exemplar, everything, see what's been written about whom, and if you get one, that's where it'll live. Uh, so one of the questions that we often get from judges who are new is, how do I get a name tag? How do I get a shirt? Yep. So shirts are, uh, right now, uh, shirts are, you get shirts by going to Grand Prix or uh, staffing pro tours. Uh, the, way it, the way it works is the TO is responsible for providing the shirt. So at GP's, uh, they want everybody to wear a specific shirt, so they provide those shirts. Same thing with the Pro Tour. Um, at your local FNM or PPTQ, uh, there is no, you know, air quotes, uniform uh, other than what the TO asks. So you can wear your judge shirt if you acquired one at a GP. However, if you don't, um, you can wear whatever is appropriate for your store that you've worked out with that TO. Uh, or you could borrow a shirt from someone who has been to a GP or the tried and true method that's been around since at least longer than I've been a judge is uh, someone who goes to a GP just gets an extra shirt, brings it back and gives it to you. Yeah. They, they discourage that at events these days. Uh, they do. Uh, it's and I'm not happens. sure what our GP shirts are going to look like in the next year. So uh, I don't know if that's going to continue to be a thing. Right there, there is with with uh, with CFBE um, uh, becoming the the sole source provider for for the, your Grand Prix experience. Uh, it is it is probable uh, 
that that's something there'll that'll change with regards to shirt. But name badges are probably going to be pretty consistent, I think. Talk. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't so, know what the current policy on getting a, a name tag is right now. I remember for a long time it was like, everybody gets a name tag, and then it was, L2s get a name tag. I don't know what it is right now, honestly. I believe the policy is, and I'm, I'm filling in some gaps here, uh, the, reason why, the reason why it was L2s get an, uh, a name tag was because L2s were seen as judges that travel around from store to store to store, or attend the larger events. Whereas if you're level one and you're only working in your local game store where you're not really – you're not expected to wear a uniform to FNM, you don't really need a name badge because everybody also already knows you. So that's kind of why they, they said L2+, plus, but they've loosened that up, I believe, to if you, if you can make a case for a need for a name, name badge, then uh, the RCs have the discretion – or not to put you on the list, so it's a little it's a little regional dependent. So some regions so, so, it might be L two only, and some they might allow L ones that that do uh, competitive relevance and travel a lot. So at the time that we recorded this, which is uh, December twenty seventeen, uh, the the answer is talk to your regional coordinator. Yep. Um, and whatever the answer is, your regional coordinator should know at any given time. Uh, I also do want to point out give give the old real talk here. Uh, I know that the desire to have a judge shirt is real, and that the desire to have a name tag is real, because it adds this feeling of legitimacy to your to your appearance as a judge. However, those like you don't need those to be a judge. Ha- not having a name tag or not having a shirt doesn't make you any less of a real magic judge. And and you you will ha- you will have a, a shirt. And if you are, if you're just working at your local game store, that shirt's going to sit in your closet. Yep. It, it's it, the name tag is going to sit in the junk drawer by the refrigerator, and you'll you'll pull it out if you work a, a PPTQ, maybe. Well, so you know, one thing to point out here is um, what makes you a judge is not your name tag or your shirt, as Brogan was saying. What makes you a judge is judging events. If you are a certified judge and you're not judging events, you frankly might as well not be a judge. As we ju- jumped to, uh, or as we alluded to earlier at the very beginning, we you have to have a place to be judging, you have to be judging events to be a judge. But that's what makes you a judge is doing it. Um, well, not also sh- adding value to the community, I think, is meaningful. As a leader of your community... You don't have to be judging all the time to be a judge. Of course you don't have to be judging all the time to be a judge. I would agree with that. But you do need you to be do judging You have events. to judge, yes. So <laughs> you do have to judge some amount. There has to be some consistency of judging. Um, it doesn't need to be frequent judging. But that's that's the main aspect. The, the community work is great. The, the uh, other things related to judging are great. But frankly, the judge program exists to run magic events. So running magic events is what this is all about. So there, there's two other there's two other things uh, on on judge apps that are kind of I don't want to necessarily say unwritten rules because I think they are they are written they're just kind of hard to find. There's what's this thing called O rulings official rulings and then how the rules Q and A form works. So the official rulings and they call them O so bracket capital O in bracket. Yes, yeah, I don't think we've had O rulings for several years now. No, they're they're very they're very rare, and what the, what they're meant to do is 
this is, you know, here is a potential, here's a problem that maybe differs slightly from what policy says, or uh, it's it's not intuitively obvious. They will issue an O ruling that says this is official, and things that have an O mean, you know, yea verily, this is the way it is. Uh, they could yay, be verily. yay verily. They could be, you know, rulings by fiat or whatever. But this is how we handle it. Um, there's also another thing: uh, the rules Q and A forum, uh, the rules question and answer forum, where you can post a rules question. You will get an official answer to that question from one of three individuals who are the rules gurus in the program who are uh, authorized to respond officially however you don't have to go you don't have to post every single rules question to the rules Q&A forum the vast majority of rules questions that you have can be answered by your local L2 or on your regional slack or your regional Facebook group um, you know save save those rules Q&A questions or using that form for the really hard stuff that you can't figure out and the other people that you ask can't figure out either because that is a you are consuming a limited resource like i said there's only a very few individuals that are authorized to answer those questions and uh uh, you're, you're taking their time, so please don't flood that form. You know, use use the local resources that you have, your L2s and your your regional communication channels. And speaking of local resources and the people that you work with on a regular basis, uh, I think the last thing we want to talk about that's uh, something you can do in Judge Apps is uh, write a review for people. Um, you will have received a review, at least one, as a level one judge because you got an advancement review that made you. Uh, a level one judge and judge apps. Uh, however, you can write reviews of people that uh, you work with. And when you write a review in judge apps, there are three default categories that are listed. The first one is strengths. The second one is areas for improvement. And the third one is comments. Now, these are the defaults because these were what were used for years in the old judge center. Um, but those can be changed. So that might be what you need for a review. You might be able to say, oh, well, so-and-so was great at X. They need to approve in Y. And I really enjoyed working with them because reasons in the comments section. Uh, but you maybe you want to do something a little more in-depth. Maybe you worked with them for two days straight during a pre-release weekend. You could make your categories Saturday and Sunday uh, if you wanted to focus on different things. I never you, thought about that. I've That's done that for some GPs. good thinking outside the box. Yeah, I've, I've done that for GPs where people were in different roles, right? So maybe on Saturday oh. they were a team member on my team, but on Sunday they were the head judge of a large side of it. Well, those are totally different roles that I can incorporate in the same review by using those different sections to that, to that effect. Um, so those boxes can be whatever you need them to be to give this review adequately to the judge that you're reviewing. Um, so be, feel free to use that creatively. And then there's also a thread that people can uh, they can reply to and you guys can have a conversation about after you leave a review. So if somebody gives you a review, you can respond to that. Uh, the number one thing that I'm going to say about writing reviews and reading reviews in both cases, do not be antagonistic, be constructive. If you are giving feedback to somebody, realize that feedback is one of the hardest things that a person can hear because you are critiquing them. And they're, they, 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 
everybody has self-doubt and you want to make sure you're not reaffirming those fears about themselves, you're telling someone how they can improve and be better in a constructive way. And realize that if somebody reached out to you and gave feedback through a review, it's because they want you to improve. They're not trying to break you down. They're trying to build you up. And it's important to, to take that. Some of us, I am really bad at this, have a feeling that when you get a review, somebody's kind of figuratively slapping you in the face and, and just being like, you're a terrible person and I don't like you. You're going to be afraid. And uh, so when I see them, I have to take a step back and go, okay, this person's trying to help me. They mean this well. This person actually likes me like enough to write this They're review. doing this because they care uh, enough to do this. Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm an experienced judge and I still have this fear about reviews. So it's, <laughs> it's a thing that, that it's okay to feel that way, but realize that, that – People don't mean it that way. Get past to that. Find the constructive things in what they say. When somebody, even if the review's not well constructed and maybe it is a little antagonistic, I like to see that as, as kind of a puzzle. There's a reason they put this this way. I need to figure out what it is uh, that they mean out of this more antagonistic feedback. Um, that's a bit of a challenge on its own. Hopefully you don't have to deal with that, but reviews are a powerful tool in both directions. Engage in conversation about them. When you get a review, write reviews when possible that encourage conversation. Uh, the first episode of JudgeCast that I was on was about writing reviews. So if you listened to Jess talking about that just now, and you thought that, that was something you want to learn more about, uh, I totally don't remember what episode it was, uh, what episode number it was, but it'll have review in the name. And it's awesome. We'll link it in the show notes. Oh, um, yay! You're saying that because you know that I'm doing the editing, aren't you? I would say it anyway, but yes. <laughs> um, All right. So, so that's that's we've we've pretty much explored a lot of the stuff that you can do in in Judge apps. So there's there's probably a few other things uh, that that new level ones are kind of responsible for. Uh, in their in their local game store, so you you know how to get a shirt, or if you need a shirt, you know how to do reviews, you know how to communicate with with your your judges. You have a store, um, so one one of the things that we want judges to to be is we want them to be leaders leaders at their local store. They want them to be we want them to be people that if you have a problem, if a player has a problem, they can trust this individual. They can go up to them and they can present to them problems um, that that might come up at the store. We, we want judges to, to be responsible for creating a, an environment that players can enjoy playing Magic. And what that involves is, is a little bit of being watchful and, and vigilant for, for problem areas. It's, it's very easy to to if 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 you are at a game store a lot and you are used to the culture there and you know the people there and you're comfortable it's really easy to assume that that everyone else is comfortable and knows people and that this is their their home too um i think sometimes it's useful to take a step back take a step out and just listen to the conversations going around going on around you and imagine how you would feel about them if you didn't know any of these people and you didn't know the store and it was your first time there. I'm not saying that you need to, like, listen to every single conversation with a fine-tooth comb. I know that you can't listen with a comb. But what I mean is just pay, pay a little bit of attention to how people are, are interacting with each other and make sure that 
it seems like it would be okay to anyone walking in there their first time in the store. Right. And one of one of the things is you you want your local game store to be an environment that that anyone can walk into, sit down and play and be treated like a person. Uh that's 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 the goal. And that's, if what's that? That's the simplest way to to address it, I think, is just it's everyone should feel feel reasonably comfortable and okay just being themselves in that space. Right. So and and in that particular case you are you may have a situation where you have to deal with a a player who is uh creating a, a, a negative experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, uh excessively over the top with with everything that they say. Um or it could just mean that, you know, Hey, occasionally they, uh, you know, they say something that kind of would cause people to kind of look at them sideways, and you can you can pull them aside and you know maybe after the event or maybe between matches and be like, hey, you know, when you say you know X, uh, that could be construed as Y. Um, could you you know could you please not do that in in whatever form or fashion that the, the that that player would understand you don't necessarily you want to the goal is in that particular case is you want to have a conversation you want to get that player to see your side and to to realize that it's a problem if you come down with you know the the ban hammer or something like that and you you get aggressive um you're going to be met you're going to get regression. You're, you're basically going to get that aggression reflected back at you. And you're right, not it's... going to accomplish the goal of the goal is um, we're, we're on different sides. I want to have this conversation and bring you to my side. I don't want to like grab you and pull you and beat you over the head because you're resisting. Now um, I, I want to, I want to bring you over to my side. And when you're on my side, I want you to be happy about it and understanding. I was going to say, I think as an, as an example, um, I have two things to say about this. Uh, as an example, um, a lot of times, if somebody says something that I don't that I don't think is necessarily a thing that should be said in a game store or at all, um, I think it, it it this is something that takes practice and is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But just a general, hey, um, could you maybe could you use a different phrase? Could you could you say something else there? And if somebody is like, oh, I can say whatever I want, it's like. I understand. I'm asking you if you could use a different phrase. Um, and that's tough because there is going to be resistance, but there's going to be even more resistance if you go in there with the like, how dare you do this, whatever. Just try to try to stay yeah. calm and that is going to make other people more incentivized to stay calm themselves. Right. One thing I've often said to people when something like that comes up is is you can find a different way to say what you're trying to say. Because most of the things that people say that are, frankly, offensive, they have no reason to say it in that way. They're, they're not trying to insult a group of people. They're not trying to say something that is derogatory. Usually they're trying to tell their opponent that they think they played poorly or something along right. those lines. And they play magic. They're smart enough to figure out a better way to tell their opponent they played poorly. Yeah, and and it's a it's a, it's a it's a hard line to to figure out where it is. And if there's ever a moment when you personally, if you think something's happening that shouldn't be happening, and you feel as though you are not comfortable or not empowered to to fix it in that moment, 
Uh, you can talk to the tournament organizer. And if they're not listening to you, which it, nine times out of ten, that's not going to be a problem. They'll be totally, they'll totally have your back. Um, and if they're not, uh, talk to another judge uh, or talk to, again, talk to your area captain or your regional coordinator, and they will also be there to advocate for you. So, so Right, but if uh, I would like to say, I don't know if we said this earlier, but if you find yourself in a situation where you personally feel uncomfortable and you don't feel like you should be in a given space, you should not stay there. Don't, yeah. Just, yeah. just be not there and let somebody know why you're not there. Um, but be safe. Take care of yourself, so, please. So let's talk about you know what what authority a judge has at the, at the local game store, and and like where the, where the that authority comes from, and and how far it extends, you know, out out of the local store. I think that's a good topic. Uh, on its face, judges don't actually have a lot of authority. Uh, they have the authority to uh, run the tournament. They have the authority to fix problems that occur inside of games that people are playing, and they have the authority to deal with issues that arise between players and involving players directly in the tournament. Um, that doesn't mean that they have the authority to kick people out of the store. You do not have that authority. It doesn't mean you have the authority to make decisions on behalf of the tournament organizer. Yep. Um, you can't say something like, you can't come play Magic here anymore. Yeah. That's not up to you. Or, or if something um, happens in a, in a in a game of Magic during FNM, you can't decide that, you know, that's really bad that costs the player the game. You can't say, oh, well, we'll just get you in a free draft later. Yeah, have a, have a, have a FNM next week is, is free. Yeah. If you, as, as a judge, want to buy somebody entry to FNM, sure, but you don't have a way to say, yeah, you get free whatever. Right, and furthermore, if you do say that li- liability is on you, mm-hmm. you you are the one responsible for making that happen, not the store. <laughs> right. Um, so so make sure that you're not doing that. Now that being said, there's a lot of what I would call social authority to, uh, to the, the, the you get as a judge. You know, if you people will respect somebody who acts in a respectable way in a position of authority. So. That gives you a certain amount of sway, especially in dealing with those social situations we talked about earlier. Um, right. If but you don't actually have any granted authority to do things like kick people out of a store or fix people's problems in a way that's that's outside of the event. There's also the we can't we can't directly impact things that go on outside of a tournament. Right. Your authority in a tournament is basically is just granted by the policy documents and what they tell you you can do. Uh, anything that's outside of that, it doesn't tell you, you don't have that authority unless it's granted somehow else. Uh, what I mean by that is you might be an employee of a store, in which case you might have more authority. You might own a store, which gives you significantly more authority inside that store. Um, you know, there are, there are lots of positions you can have to give you that authority, but being a judge maybe doesn't give you what a lot of people think of a judge uh, having as, as authority. Um, so two things about that. One is please don't overstep those bounds because that can get you into, into uh, hot water. And the second one is please don't become a judge because, excuse me, because you think it's going to give you that kind of authority. Yeah. You, you get the authority, you get the authority, um, Outside of the events, and you you do actually have some authority. It's granted to you by the community because you've been you've showed yourself as being someone who is interested in helping the community and fair and impartial and uh, just a, an all around good judge. 
they they start giving you giving you that uh, that authority and if you're a jerk uh you're not going to have that authority like if you're if if you're just mean spirited and you're doing this just to kind of you know lord your rules knowledge over people you're not going to get that players aren't going to respect you you're not going to have that that social capital uh in order to you know, to address issues that you need to, that you might want to address outside of the events. And you're going to find yourself being more of the, I'm the judge and it's my way because I said so, you know, that you don't want to be in that position. You want, you want to be able to present your case and and people go like, okay, that makes sense. I know you and trust you and respect Mm -hmm. you. uh, So we'll we'll go along with that. Your life is going to be so much easier as it, as it relates to, delivering rulings in a way that people are okay with and 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 just by being a person that that people want to listen to so just treat people with respect and if if they're if they're a reasonable human being they will treat you with respect as well and then once you have that 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 social capital and that respect then you can you you can start using it outside of events uh, you know, maybe if maybe to help out with with particular issues that are going on on social media or something like that. Uh, but you you got to remember that on Facebook, the fact that you're a judge doesn't matter. Uh, nope. uh, really, in terms of, in terms of authority, you know, it it straight up is irrelevant. the The thing that is relevant is the social capital you have acquired. You know, acting in the role as a judge. I think within reason that's true. I think an established judge can definitely be seen as a source of authority when it comes to tournament policy issues or magic oh, rules questions. Sure, sure. But if you're talking about purely social issues, um, you know, should a person be acting this way in a store? Should a person be acting this way on Facebook? Th- those are not things that you have the authority to talk about because you're a judge. Right. You you have you have the authority you ha- you can talk about them because you have you have earned the respect of your peers, right? Uh, right. You can you can talk about them that. to you're ta- you can talk about them to your blue in the face. But if people don't want to listen, if you haven't given people a reason to listen to you, they're not going to listen to you just because you're a judge. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to want to discuss here? No, I think no. that that's uh, that pretty much covers it, Brian. Yeah. I think I think this this covers it. I think the the only other thing that we want to talk about is is maybe where uh, they can find our podcasts, Jess. <laughs> well, before we get there, um, I would just like to say if you have any other questions uh, that we can address on the air about becoming a judge or being a judge, please send us an email, um, and you can do that at judgecast at gmail dot com. You can find our podcast archive at judgecast.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. And you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. I hear we have a Tumblr account, but I'm not sure where. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, well, supposedly we have a Tumblr. I think CJ set it up at some point. I, uh, we, I think we auto post all our episodes to it, cool. but like I haven't visited it because we have a script that does that for us. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank you for listening to episode 189 uh, and please come back and listen to us again. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and uh, rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts, probably on Apple Podcasts. Um, That being said, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. My name is Jess Dunks. I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King. I keep it fun. And also Jess is sitting across from me and it's really weird. 
and, and I'm Brian Prilliman, and I keep all my forum notifications turned off. And, and I keep all my doggy toys on the on the on the counter. There's four of them up there now. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been snatching them throughout the uh, throughout the podcast and putting them up. Yes, you're a little squeaker, aren't you?